Dragon Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your kung fu may be good, but mine is better. <laughs> In the conclusion to my interview with dubbing studio director Graham Earnshaw, we get one final look behind the scenes at the process that gave our Kung Fu heroes voices that echoed for decades. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita, and today, part two of our two-part interview with Graham Earnshaw. Just uh, going back to something like Bruce's Deadly Fingers, Bruce Lee at the time obviously blew up the entire Kung Fu market for for everybody. Even his movies, though he could speak English, were, were dubbed originally and uh, I think you you made mention of, uh, of one guy uh, being proud that he was Bruce Lee's voice and mm-hmm. at least for for his movies there was some consistency from movie to movie with whoever dubbed his voice yeah well first of all he died before okay. I started this he died in 1973 and I was doing this in 1975 oh, okay. two years afterwards and and it's a it's a great shame that he died just before the kung fu the global kung fu movie explosion uh, and and wasn't therefore able to uh, to, to really uh, feel it and, and benefit from it. But his movies were being made by Golden Harvest, uh, yes. Golden Harvest. right? And uh, there was a clear effort being made to take the kung fu movie into a new area. So uh, up until Golden Harvest, you sort of had two kinds of kung fu movies being made in Hong Kong. First of all, there were the the, the set. Mm-hmm large production pieces being made by Shaw Brothers, which were feeding off a, uh, a movie form, a Chinese movie form that, that, had, that had existed in Shanghai in the 30s, uh, in, in Singapore. And then with, it, there was this other kind of, of, of film that was being made, which was low budget very, uh, and, and mostly modern, modern type uh, films like Bruce Lee's right. Deadly Fingers right. and, a, and a whole bunch of other crappy movies. These these were inserting the kung fu uh, story ideas into right. a modern context. Uh, very, as I say, very very low budget. And what uh, Raymond Chow did with Golden Harvest was to sort of marry the uh, the quality of Shaw Brothers with the modern kung fu element of the the crappy hong kong kung fu movies and he and and he found bruce lee and then were others as well but bruce lee as the star as the as the as the figurehead of that and it was his movies it was the golden harvest movies which really formed the core of what you and the other people like you are are interested in Um, there's there's definitely a a different feel to those movies the shaw brothers movies for me at least had um, that grander scale where there was a touch of mysticism and a yep. touch of um, spiritual uh, mm-hmm. you know, aura around the whole movie as opposed to the stuff that was a little bit more grounded in, in modern day and reality. But the Bruce Lee movies at least called back to that a little bit more than, say, something like Bruce's Deadly Fingers, which um, just kind of threw the kung fu action into the modern day without any kind of respect i guess for the kung fu mythos so it, it kind of felt disjointed yes mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense to yeah. me and also got the golden harvest movies just the, the the overall quality and the sort of yes. sense of modernness of them uh they, they they'd obviously been watching uh the more modern movies the late 60s early 70s movies coming out of the united states and were, were feeding off them in terms of techniques and filming techniques and, right. and other now, stuff like that you talk about uh 
fans like us um, kind of separate. Were you not a fan of kung fu movies? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, how do I uh, not, not, not particularly, no. I well, but I have to say that I don't watch okay. too many movies anyway. Uh, I, I watch. Um, I, I, I like The Simpsons. <laughs> Uh, it's a good thing to like it's okay <laughs> i remember going to the to the cinema in the 70s and uh, even in the the early 80s in hong kong and going to see uh the uh the you know jackie chan movies and stuff like that the, right. the golden era of jackie chan um but uh, I, I i i was never a a hardcore fanatic on on kung fu movies i was i translated a kung fu novel into uh into english which was published okay. by oxford university press the, the 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 top writer of kung fu novels is a man named uh, louis yeah. cha in english does I, that I know name it, yeah. do you know that name okay well his his novels are at the the heart of mm -hmm. uh, the kung fu the right. novel and movie world for for china and have been he wrote his books between the 50s and the 70s but the they weren't made into movies until okay. after this era until until the 80s but they they now what he did was create a fantasy world which includes lots and lots of kung fu for the chinese people and uh, the fantasy world of china today is basically was basically created by Louis Cha in a sort of the equivalent of the fantasy world of the West, which is a combination of uh, you know Lord of the Rings and uh, mm -hmm. Harry Potter and uh, and Walt Disney Grimm's fairy tales and all that stuff. China had but virtually none of that, and Louis Cha created it all. And so my my connection to kung fu comes more through uh, Louis Cha than it does through the movies of the seventies. The Kung Fu movie boom really became kind of appointment television viewing for, for my generation. Uh, I was um, like nine, ten years old when, when the Kung Fu movie theater showed up on American television. Uh, and it was every Saturday at three o'clock mm -hmm. on Channel 5 or WNYW at the time. Um, you knew that you had to... Um, be in front of the TV at that time to catch this double feature of Kung Fu, and again, you know, this was this was a time where <laughs> Kung Fu was really exploding all over the 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 country. You, you had music dedicated to Kung Fu. There were um, uh, Kung Fu and Karate schools opening up all over the place, and you know, right. everybody really wanted to be part of this whole Kung Fu genre. So, sitting in front of the TV was mandatory at three o'clock to get your Kung Fu fix. It's interesting that even with all of that going on the voice dubbing and the voice actors never got any kind of due for the work that they did because they again they really did right they were the story for us they were our movies regardless of what the original mandarin was what we were watching was what you put on the screen for us i think there was no awareness of what of the, of the impact that this stuff was having in the united states the us is the most important market uh, globally uh, but what we had a sense that what we were doing was basically being shown in oh, the okay. third world. Now, were these were you guys compensated well? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was the seventies. Uh, I I remember I was getting uh, fifteen hundred Hong Kong dollars per script, and then a few hundred Hong Kong dollars per uh, per session, and that translates if you divide by uh, eight, say six, seven, or eight you'll get to uh, US dollars. And so a script was, let's mm -hmm. say, 200 US dollars. And uh, and then maybe another uh, $20, $30 for the uh, So this really wasn't going session. to be a career choice that, at the time. 
<laughs> it was not a career choice. Mind you, at the time, my, my salary on the South China Morning Post, I was a reporter there, uh, was probably 2005 Hong Kong dollars, which is, let's say, 300, 300 okay, 350 so US dollars a month. It was a nice extra a month. bit of money. <clears throat> it was, okay. at the time, it was great, yeah. Now, after your stint with the, the dubbing, what did you go on to do after that? After that, I pretty quickly went to Taiwan, uh, where I was oh. a movie extra on uh on a couple of uh on a couple of movies uh one of which also had bruce lee in shanghai it was some kind of a a history of i'm going to completely made up made, right, right. completely fabricated history um uh, but i was a, a an extra did you ever movie there. that was fun well then and then i and I, I went off into the, the world of journalism in a in a, in a a in a pretty hardcore way and worked for Reuters news agency and uh came to China in nineteen seventy eight first then seventy nine and have spent most of uh, a large part of the uh, the remaining the years since sort of either formally reporting uh, uh recording the uh, the changes in China since the seventies or else being a uh, a fascinated bystander wow. which Did i you ever today think about getting back involved with dubbing at the time or was it was it just one and done for you um ron was a very uh, possessive <laughs> individual and he <laughs> and uh i c clearly could do something that he couldn't do which is make the script more uh closer uh, closer to the to the chinese originals um and i clearly enjoyed doing it but I was a threat to him in terms of uh, the money that he was saving up so that he could buy uh, a house in England or whatever <laughs> right, he was right. trying to do with the with the money. Um, he shouldn't have been doing it. He was a pu he was a public servant, a civil servant, uh, and it was illegal for him to be doing uh, outside work. Um, but uh, I, I'm sure I'm sure that uh, by by uh, uh, revealing this that he's <laughs> no, under no I legal threat. At, at that time uh, and in that particular part of the industry, there weren't unions looking out for everybody. <laughs> there were no unions. <laughs> right. no. And um, now, when we uh, when we were doing a, a little bit of chat before uh, this interview, uh, you had asked if you thought that there might be a book about kung fu in, in all of this. Do you do you think that might be the case? I think there might be. I think that there is clearly a market for uh, kung fu. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing this. The podcast wouldn't exist, and there wouldn't be people listening. So uh, there is a. Uh, an interest from all the other people who were huddled around the television sets uh, at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon uh, about what what this what these movies are, what is the culture that they reflect, how were they made, who were the people who made them. And this, I'm sure that there, there must be a book of some sort. It's it's for you. I'm the publisher. You're the writer, Jeff. <laughs> so you're going to have to figure out what the you know to come up with a proposal. But I I I am a book publisher, and I would be delighted. Oh to work wow! If you're um, interested let in me doing uh, let me <laughs> let me see if I have any ideas to take on. But I appreciate that. No, and, yeah, I, like I said uh, when we were talking, it it is one of those things that the the market has come around again to kind of celebrate kung fu mm -hmm. it's on tv again they they just did a uh, uh a sequel to crouching tiger hidden dragon that's on netflix here there's a tv series called into the badlands which is uh a kind of post-apocalyptic world but the the society that grew up out of that uh apocalypse is sort of based on feudal china where they they fight with swords and there's a lot of martial arts in it 
and Iron Fist is a right. uh, is a kung fu based superhero that will be getting his own show. And then there's also Shang Chi, which in the Marvel comics was uh, was billed as the best kung fu fighter in the world, and he's going to be involved in this show. So all of that is 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 working its way into the consciousness again, which which spurred my uh, reignition, I guess, of my vintage kung fu stuff which led to the podcast so it's um it's there for the taking if, if people want it yeah and it's and it's wonderful the uh they tapped into something didn't they in terms of the the stories the action the characters the the simple uh visceral concepts revenge you know uh uh tragedy humor you know they're just wonderful very simple things which everybody can it resonates with just every single human being and uh there's no reason why these things won't can't can't uh, come back and people still watch yeah, yeah. Ch- charlie chaplin mm-hmm. movies right i mean it's the it's the same it's the, it and for the same reasons because they tap into some very basic human and i'll, I'll uh, tell you human with emotions. all honesty though what it tapped into when i was a kid was the ability to fly and be like a superhero <laughs> well and well, there you go, and that's it. We 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 all want yes, and, and we all the, want to fly. With the explosion <laughs> of the comic book movies now, with superheroes being as popular as they are, um, I argued that the kung fu movies were our superhero movies when we were growing up. Those were our um, our invincible superheroes with with supernatural powers that they, that could fly and that could stop swords with their hands and and uh, you know move things with their minds and all of that stuff. And that. Uh, grew out of that and became Star Wars and became superhero movies and became, you know, uh, Captain America and so on and so on. I wonder, uh, comparing the two kinds of movies, whether or not there is a, a, a similar comparison between a book that is just words, no, uh, no images and, and a comic where there is an advantage for the, for the book over the comic in that it is up to the reader to actually right. create the images in their heads Whereas uh, for you guys sitting in front of the TV at three o'clock, these movies are pretty simple in the way that they're made, the Kung Fu movies, but they therefore provide more space for you to fill in all the gaps, to make it, to make, to, you know, to imagine the right. flying as opposed to the, you know, the, the really creepy simulations. Again, uh, compared to the, uh, the, the, the superhero movies of today, which where the, uh, the, the, you know, the technical elements of it are just right. superb, but leave no room. There is no space there sure. for you to use your own imagination. And I think that from that perspective, I think the Kung Fu movies were probably better for you than these, these modern <laughs> Marvel, whatever they are, movies are better for, for the people well, of, the, of, the, of, of today's generation. Much more in terms of imagination uh, when we were watching that, you know, um, because right after yeah. we watched those movies, we would go outside and we would reenact everything that we saw and we would write new stories and we would create new powers and we would fight and pretend to die and all this stuff. And, and uh, <laughs> in all honesty, we, we did a lot of damage to ourselves trying to uh, copy <laughs> these guys but but it was all, it was all good fun. and, we, and uh, again that kind of stuff stuck with us there are a lot of people that i talk to in in uh, from other podcasts that say i remember all these movies i remember watching them it's so cool to be able to kind of listen to it again i don't do a video podcast i just kind of summarize the the movies uh, as i remember them and, and mm-hmm. do a little commentary but the people that um that it touches really touches them to the point where they're like i gotta go watch those movies again and you know that that's that's heartening when it when it reignites that passion. Right, right, and I think it's the simplistic 
process of production which leaves room leaves space for the imagination i think that's a, a very important part of it and why these movies will survive but i think for decades and decades to come your children and your grandchildren are going to be watching these <laughs> movies so. at three so. o'clock on now, a saturday what afternoon. do you you said you were you were friends with all the guys that uh, that you did the work with what did they go on to do after all of this kind of died down what did they go on to do? Uh, they stayed, uh, Warren and Chris stayed on in radio, I know that, for, for some time. Uh, at least one of them went back to uh, England and also did radio. They, right. they, were, they were voice people. That's, That's what they did. I basically lost contact with them, though. You know, it was, uh, I, was, I was off in the world of Chinese polit- political journalism, and uh, they, were, uh, you know, they, they, were, they were still in and the world of how long have you been living in China I've been uh, living in China almost continuously since 1979 uh, i spent five i've spent two years in the late 80s living in tokyo i was in hong kong as, as my base for uh five or six years 89 to 95 apart from that pretty much uh all has and been they're still in china making kung fu movies uh, you know with much bigger budgets and, <clears throat> and 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 bigger name actors and all that do the oh, dubbing yes. studios still exist for that kind of stuff now it's interesting you ask because i was contacted just a couple of weeks ago by a pakistan film company asking if i could arrange a, uh, a, the dubbing of uh, a pakistani movie into chinese and i said <laughs> is the pope catholic so we're we're discussing at the moment they want us to redo everything including the music and it can be done uh, there's no uh, but i need from them i need a, a script all they've got at the moment is oh, an urdu yeah. script and i need an english script otherwise we can't do the chinese they want it but they want it dubbed from urdu into uh, chinese uh, and i i said we can do the english if if you like too uh, he said no not interested just just the chinese i said oh, no problem and uh, and i also need the background noises that's the other thing which uh, which is which is so important you've got to have the background the bangs and the you know the car sounds and you know whatever um, and they're, 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 we're, we're working through that process. I, I'm hoping that it comes to fruition because oh, that's fantastic. it uh, completes oh, so the circle for, for me in terms of, of, of dubbing. By <laughs> well, we'll see whether or not it comes off, but uh, it's it's out there. And and so yeah, I've been making contact into the market, and there are uh, dubbing studios, and there are, there's a dubbing team which I've made contact with, and which we will uh, be able to use if and, uh, if uh, this actually happens. I think if you if you're up to it, you should. Um, set up a camera and kind of record that whole thing and and, and uh, present it as kind of a mini documentary because I would absolutely watch that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, sure. Most of it will be in Chinese, though, of course, because the Chinese actors, the, Ch- the Chinese, uh, you know, the, the actual script and the whole process would be in Chinese. But you're right. Uh, re- recording it in some uh, and way could be quite interesting. Full circle. That's awesome. <laughs> so after all of that, now you've got your music and your, your books and – uh, could you? I, I'm curious about this yep. walking tour of China. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I was reading a book in uh, 2004 in a Japanese restaurant called Across China on Foot, written by an English journalist named Edwin Dingle. He was living in Singapore and took a boat to Shanghai and then another boat up the Yangtze River to Chongqing in the year 1909 and started walking southwest from uh, the city of Chongqing, Chongqing as it's now called to the Burmese border and it took him nine months and he he did it but he didn't speak a word of Chinese and his long 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 book is basically a description of uh, fantastic 
scenery and uh, and, and extraordinary squalor in the hotels, and uh, and and there's none of the the real uh, sense of what China Chinese people were Chinese society or anything like that. And so, I thought uh, that I I should I could do better. And I thought that anyway, walking from Chongqing to the Burmese border is hardly walking across China. So I started. I was in Shanghai that day and. Uh, went out to uh, the, the riverfront and started walking west. And uh, for many years, I, I maintained it. I, I've, I still haven't, I haven't finished the walk, but I, don't, I haven't gone out very much in recent times. But uh, the idea is that every time I went out, I, every time I go out, I always go back to the millimeter wow. to the last place that I stopped and then continue walking west. And in that, that way, I walked across commitment. China. It's the persistence of it that is that is extraordinary. Uh, it's it's not the walking because walking is just walking, you know, and it's just right. like a series of Sunday strolls. But uh, I I think that um, f- the the purpose of doing it is to talk to lots and lots of people. So I've talked to thousands and thousands of people across China, just asking them simple questions, saying how are you and how's life and what do you think about this and that. And they ask me questions, of course. The main one being, <laughs> why aren't you in a car? Listen, um, I'm going to let you go because it, it's early and I'm sure you have plenty of walking to do. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time out. This was absolutely enchanting. Um, I, I have absolutely loved learning uh, a lot of what goes on behind the scenes. It kind of fills in those pieces that, that I was never able to, to fill in before. And uh, I I'm consider myself lucky to have stumbled across your memoirs. So thank you again so much for sitting with me. Well, Jeff, I'm I'm delighted that you find my memories from all those years ago interesting, and uh, I wish you and everybody awesome. else who's Thank listening to this all the best uh, in the future. I will be looking for that documentary. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. Bye. Hi, I'm Thomas Hall, and this is The Hit List, five kung fu movies you need to see. This week's list, five epic casts. First up, we have The Five Deadly Venoms. It's a Chang Che film with the Venom Mob. If I have to explain to you why it's so awesome, you might need to listen to another show. But it's got great kung fu, amazing twists, and everybody in the movie goes on to be a classic. Kung Fu star. Next up is Killers 5. It's a classic Shaw Brothers movie where five different characters with different motivations all come together to try and save their country on a suicide mission. It's wonderful, it's got fantastic Kung Fu, and the interplay between the different characters is just something wonderful to watch. Next up is the Shaw Brothers movie, The Water Margin. Based on maybe the most famous of all Chinese novels, it's a story about 108 rebels who live in the mountains and have to try and get revenge against the Golden Spear Army for murdering their leader. It's one of the most thrilling movies you're ever going to see. It's got a huge cast, and it's just something that everybody needs to have in their collection. Movie number four is the Cheng Pei Pei movie, Brothers Five. It's about a woman who brings five brothers together who were separated at birth, who don't even know that they have brothers. And they're told about how their father was killed, 
and how they need to get revenge through a special kung fu method where all five brothers need to act together. It's, a, it's not only a great movie, but seeing the bonding of the different characters and how they learn about each other and how all their different personalities from being raised apart come together in the final scene is, is just wonderful. Last but certainly not least is one of my all-time favorite, not only kung fu movies, but all-time favorite movies in any genre. It's Bodyguards and Assassins starring Donnie Yen. It's the story of how a group of people give their lives to try and get a person who's a scholar, who's trying to reform China into the modern age, uh, from where he is in hiding to the, a meeting where he can discuss with different leaders about this revolt that's going to be taking place. Each character that is in the story is a fully rounded and interesting person and you really care about them. Aside from that, the Kung Fu is out of this world. They do some amazing stunts and your jaw is going to be on the floor as much as you're going to be sitting there and wondering what's going to happen to each of the characters. You need to see it. It's being re-released soon on Blu-ray. And there you have it. That was the hit list. Five movies you need to see. Tune in next week for five more. My sincere thanks to Graham Earnshaw for taking time out of his day all the way from China to sit with me and give us all a rare peek behind the curtain at an often overlooked part of the Kung Fu movies that I loved so much growing up. Hopefully you guys enjoyed hearing what he had to say, and if you did, please leave me some feedback on Twitter or Instagram at Kung Fu Drive-In, on Facebook at the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast page, or email me at kungfudrivein at gmail.com. You can also check out Graham Earnshaw's site at earnshaw.com where you can find more of his writing and his music. I know we'd love to hear from the Poison Clan as well. Meanwhile... Please consider leaving a rating and a review for the show on iTunes because every little bit helps. And if I'm going to take Graham up on his book offer, I'm going to need all the help I can get. Big shout out to the entire Potter and Family hashtag on Twitter where you can find a variety of amazing podcast voices to tune into, such as the Nerdtastic Four, the Mockers Podcast, the 1980s movie Graveyard, Afterburner 739, Not Another Podcast, and so many more. Give them all a try. You're sure to find something that you like. Until next week, Poison Clan, peace. See the iron fisted bunk before the daily prayers Shouting bunks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan, now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless idea roaming over the land Yeah, the little bitch soldier is old, otherwise Every wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars Fight for the cars, then pause, hear the applause Not again, back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death
Jeff Jules here, David D's coming back The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster Bitch had a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time a shiner Rosamund Kwan is real fine but see Maggie show his spine Golden Swallow has arrived Shang-Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight, may as well pick the spot Yeah this guy goes black cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to so stand back He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Mantis style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claws See it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China, counting the TikTok The Shogun, Assassin, Slash and Blood are just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow, but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor, when the blood it'll splatter against the walls No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spill when you head into a war Fearless, unleashed The fist of legend that they call Jet Li I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war